0: Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Dr. Thelma LaBelle. Thelma is an internationally recognized psychologist and a professor at the School of Psychological Science at Tel Aviv University, where she's the director of the Child Development Center. She's also been a visiting professor at Harvard as well as a visiting researcher at Tufts, the University of California, San Diego, and New York University. She's also the author of the book Sensation, the New Science of Physical Intelligence. Thelma, thank you so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: So, can you tell me a little bit about your background, what you do, how you got into it?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm, as you said, I'm a professor of psychology uh, at Tel Aviv University. I studied, uh, I did my Ph.D. at Tel Aviv University and then my postdoc at Harvard University. And uh, I'm doing research and teaching at a university for over 30 years. And my uh, ma- the, the main uh, issues of my research was uh, always how we perceive other people, how we judge other people. And I focused for many years on gender differences, how uh, a man who behaves differently Um, more what is called stereotypically feminine way is perceived, uh, when women is perceived, etc. But in the last uh, six years or so, I uh, discovered what is called embodied cognition, which is what I will talk uh, in our conversation, how our physical sensations influence our behavior, uh, emotions, judgments, decisions. And I was really fascinated by these studies that I read about and from then on, I focused only on these issues. I, I did uh, studies on them, uh, I built uh, several courses on them, and mainly I wrote my book, "Sensation: The New Science of Physical Sensei- uh, Intelligence, because uh, as I hope I will show you during our conversation, the studies are so fascinating and have tips for uh, real behavior that I thought uh, it is not right that only my students and other students and colleagues will know about these studies, but uh, this should uh, be a general knowledge for everybody who wants to know what influenced our life and our judgments. So I wrote this book and that's that's actually how I come into it.
0: Awesome. Can you tell us a little about Sensation? Like where the idea came from, kind of what is, I mean, you talked a little bit about where the idea came from, but kind of what is the, the basis for the book?
1: Yeah, so uh as I said, I was always interested in what influenced our life, and not the obvious things, the things that are less obvious, but still, you know, we, we would like to think that we in, are in control of our life, that if you decide something, it's because you're completely rational and you decide if you're attracted to someone, if you judge somebody is nicer, it's always because of the right reasons. But apparently, and this I know as a psychologist for many years, apparently there are other things that influence. Without being aware of that, it's very important. We are not aware of that. And what I focus on in my book is how our physical sensations, meaning the texture of the things we touch, whether it's smooth or... Or rough, whether it's hard or soft, the temperature of the things we touch, like a, if you, you hold a hot, warm cup of coffee or a cold cup of coffee, uh, the the color of the clothes we wear or the other person wear, how all these influence the way we judge that person, the what we decide in negotiations, in in judgments, in decisions, and in emotions. And you will be surprised how they affect us without our knowledge. And I think that once we know. Uh, these studies and the results of this and we are more aware of these things and we are less influenced by them. We can really, uh, you know, be influenced by what we want to be influenced by. And also we can manipulate, maybe it's not nice to say, but we can, we can manipulate the other person uh, to be nicer to us by creating uh, the right atmosphere.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. I mean, and that leads into a great question. How does our senses uh, affect the way we think and feel and act
1: so for example uh let me tell you about the first study that I read that really influenced me this is a study conducted in Yale I'm talking by the way about in my book about studies that were done by top un- uh, researchers in top universities not necessarily mine I also bring mine but most of the studies are not mine but are uh, really conducted all over the United States in top universities so the first study that I read that really influenced me was about uh, the hot coffee. Uh, in this study, uh, uh, participants were invited to the laboratory, and uh, each one that ca- who came to the laboratory was uh, greeted by an experimenter that uh, told him, "Or would you like to come uh, to the experiment? Let's go to the elevator to the fourth floor. In the elevator, the experimenter, whose hands were full, with you know, um, their books and and, and all kinds of things, uh, had also a cup of coffee. Then she she asked the participant, could you hold my cup of coffee for a minute while I'm writing your name? So she gave the, her cup of coffee for really few seconds, she wrote the, the participant name and she took the coffee back. What I didn't know is that the experiment started already in the uh, elevator because to half of the participants, she handed a warm cup of coffee. To the other half, an iced coffee, cold cup of coffee. Then they came to the lab, and they were asked to judge a person they never heard knew before, and we, they, they were given a description of a person. They were asked whether he is a nice person, kind person, all kind of a, a characteristics which are like a warm person. And The amazing results are that those who held a warm cup of coffee in the elevator judged that person as a nicer, warmer person than those who held a cold cup of coffee in the elevator. Of course, when they were asked what made them decide that this person is a nice person, they never thought it was anything to do with a cup of coffee. So that's an example how just the, the touch of something warm influence the way you judge another person without being aware that that's what influences you. You really think that he's a nicer person.
0: It actually makes me think, this is kind of silly, but when I was in my early 20s, I had a job doing doing car sales. Like I was kind of going through school and I was selling cars on the side. And one of the things that we would do is, uh, somebody walked in and do a negotiation, we would get them a warm cup of coffee.
1: Yeah, you see, so you didn't know that, but I'm telling you, actually, it's a very good example because I give all the time, when I give the tips, I give how uh, and we will go through them, uh, how uh, all these uh, results uh, can be used in negotiations and sell negotiations and car negotiations is definitely one of them because a lot of times when you uh, negotiate with another person, you come and you decide already, okay, uh, you know, I will not go beyond uh, this price. But there, there is always a margin that you, you know, you might pay a little bit more because you like the car, or, or you, 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 you know, you are never sure that that's your decision will will be the same when you leave the room, when you buy something, or, or when you are negotiating about a rent or or about uh, selling a house or whatever. But the cars and rents are very usual. Uh, and apparently if you hold a warm cup of coffee, there is a better chance that you will perceive the other person as a nicer one, and then you will agree more to, to what that person has to offer.
0: Yeah. I would say like when we were doing it, I wasn't aware of that they would like me more. I just realized that when I drank something warm, it caused me to relax.
1: Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah, that's another thing. But you didn't realize that just touching the warm the warm object Influence them without knowing or influence you depends who, who held it. No,
0: I had no idea. This is super super cool. What what are some other things that you discovered through the course of these studies?
1: So, uh, this is uh, about temperature, by the way. Other studies showed also that the, when you hold something warm, uh, it increases your trust in the other person, so you perceive that the person is nicer and also you it increases your trust. There were several uh, psychological studies that. Uh, put uh, the subjects into uh, kind of role play of whether they you know they they, they trust the other person more in uh, putting some money, etc and uh, it was shown that those who held a warm uh, object per- not only perceived the other person as nicer but also trusted them more. but let's go let's go on to the uh, texture, okay uh, I will use uh, the metaphor which we uh use all the time we say i had a hard day this is a hard person uh uh i, I had a smooth sailing um i, I have a rat- rough day so if you notice we use rough smooth hard uh soft a soft negotiator to 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 describe something more abstract how people behave and how their their characteristics are So, apparently, it's not just metaphors are more than just a figure of speech. That's what all these studies show. So, in one study, for example, uh, people were two groups of uh, subjects were heard the same interaction on a video, I mean, on on a recorder without seeing the people, just hearing uh, an interaction between two people that was kind of ambiguous. You were not sure whether it was a competition or cooperation, whether it was an argument or just a conversation. Uh, it was kind of ambiguous and before hearing uh, that half of the people were asked uh, as if for another study to touch a hard block while the other group were asked to touch a soft blanket. Those who touch the hard block perceive the same interaction as uh, a more competitive, uh, more argumentative than the other uh, group who he heard the same interaction, but were holding a softer object in that case, a soft blanket. They perceived the, that as a cooperation, as a discussion rather than an argument. So uh, the same uh, interaction was perceived differently, uh, according to what they felt uh, uh, in their hands.
0: It makes me think of a couple of things. One, you had mentioned, uh, kind of like a hard day or smooth sailing, like there's uh, also,
1: also a warm person, yeah, yeah a warm, warm person,
0: person. yeah. That's the first thing I thought of, and so it makes a lot of sense to me why how our language would have evolved in order to reflect some of these observations uh, or sensations that we feel. One thing I'm curious about is when you talk about these differences, and you might know offhand, you might not, but when you say that there is this um, this difference in the way somebody is perceived as being kind of warmer or colder or like some of these variations, how, how big are these kind of margins in these studies? Is it like a half percentage difference? Is it 5%? Is it?
1: Yeah, mean- that's a good question that uh, people always ask, not only about these studies, but in general. You see, uh, uh, first of all, all these studies that I describe were found uh, what is called statistically different. I mean, the differences were statistically significant. Okay? So uh, I'm not reporting any study. All these studies were published in top uh, journals. and are uh, the differences are what is called statistically different they are significant sorry which means that according to statistical method you uh decide whether the difference between two numbers is big enough to be considered significant so it's not a question of percentage or so but i have to but your question is completely legitimate and, and important because of course nobody says that uh you know uh if somebody is really Rude to you, and you just hold uh, a cup of coffee. You will suddenly will perceive that person as a nice person. That's not the case. What we are talking is when other things being equal, and the person is more or less nice, but not kind of ambiguous or neutral, then it will influence somewhat your perception. And some sometimes that would be just the thing that will tip the scale into your favor. You know that when you are not sure about something. So that adds something, you know, but of course if somebody is behaving very rudely or or, or the interaction is not ambiguous but definitely very uh, competitive and one is shouting at the other person then you won't uh, think that uh, this interaction is very nice even if you hold a soft object. But uh, a lot of things in our life are not like that and, and that just these uh, sensations may tip the scale into your uh, favor and then you can be a, a, make the other person to be a softer negotiator, to judge you as a nicer person, to agree more to your terms, uh, et cetera.
0: I absolutely agree because like you said, a, a lot of the choices in life, there's a lot of choices we make in life where we're on the edge and if if something tips us over, oftentimes that can take us into a completely different direction over time. like. Uh, this is kind of a silly example, but I remember a long time ago, I had a roommate and I used to tell him, uh, I talked to him about cleaning the apartment and I said, you know, you can let the apartment get more dirty every day by 1% and after a couple of months, it's going to be a disaster. Every day, you can improve it 1%. It's just a little tiny thing and over the course of months, the apartment will look amazing and so uh, when we're talking about kind of negotiation or influence, a small amount of influence consistently over time can have a massive difference in, in a person's life. So I, I absolutely agree. I, I was just curious about what were these kind of margins and so that the listeners would have a baseline. Something else to talk about is color, right? You talk about how kind of red affects performance or how it affects sexual attraction.
1: Yeah, red is a fascinating thing. I, I really like uh, these studies about red. And actually uh devoted two chapters in my books uh to red. One is how it affects performance, and one how it affects physical attraction. Because if you think about red, uh, people have many associations regarding red, many, but uh, if I if I group them to two major ones, is either one of them is stop sign, danger, right? Uh and the other one is uh, sexual attraction. If say apple was red uh, the red the uh, the street with the red windows in in amsterdam and in other places is our sexual it's, it's related to sexual attraction um in the movies uh often when you want to put, portray a woman who is very sexy you put something red on her either the dress or at least the shoes or definitely the red lipstick so uh, red is associated in our minds with sexual attraction and it's also associated with stop and danger. So, uh, and it depends on the context, of course. So uh, let's start with the performance. So uh, in, a, in several studies showed, in several experiments, showed really amazing results. They gave uh, subjects uh, all kinds of uh, tests, whether they were, in some one study there were verbal tests In other studies, there were mathematical tests like you give for the SATs and IQs and all kinds of tests like that. And uh, they gave several groups the same exact test each time. In in one study, it was, as I say, the mathematical uh, test. So each, all the three groups got the same test. In another study, it was verbal. Again, all the three groups got the same test. The only difference was the color of the participant number on each page, there was, at the top of each page, there was a participant number. One group uh, got this participant number uh, in red color. The other two groups got, one got in black and the other got, could get it in either green or blue, it depends. And they found that those who had the participant uh, color in, uh, the participant number in red performed worse than the other two groups, I repeat. Just the fact that the participant number was red influenced their performance in mathematical and verbal tests, and they performed worse than the other two groups, which is really amazing, I think, um, to think that such a thing will influence. But if you think about it, uh, people people relate this red color to what the teacher wrote on their uh, exams in the in, in the school and many people remember that the teacher you know put all kind of red marks when you did something wrong and that's enough to stop you for even a few seconds to, to 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 be alarmed to be avoidant uh that your performance in such tests will be worse.
0: So it induces test anxiety.
1: It's kind of, yeah, it increases your anxiety, your avoidant behavior, and in tests that you have to perform really quickly, like, like mathematical tests or verbal tests that are for, you know, like those that are given in the IQ or in the uh IQ test or SATs test, uh, it's enough that you will be uh, kind of anxious for a few seconds that it will influence your performance. But I want to make it more complicated. This is true for mathematical and verbal tests, but what about the physical performance? So, um, uh, there was a study uh, that was published in Nature, which is one of the top, really, really top journals, uh, that looked at all kinds of um, performances of people in the Olympics, in Olympic Games, in the martial arts. Uh, like uh, jiu-jitsu and other, other, you know, um, uh, fighting like that. And in these Olympic Games, I think it was 2004, uh, the participants were given arbitr- randomly either blue uh, uniforms or red uniforms. And they found that those who wore red uniforms won more often, statistically significant, as you ask me so does it uh contradict this the studies that i said just a minute ago i don't think so because first of all you have to distinguish between uh physical performance when you want to hit somebody uh and or when you have to concentrate and and, and ask uh, you know and fill a verbal test but more than that uh, when that person wore a red uniform the other person saw the red uniform and that might have affected the 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 other person in other in other words, if I am fighting against somebody who is wearing red, it might affect my performance that i it, it frightens me more, and that may affect my behavior. I can give you a third explanation which is not mutually exclusive it might even affected the the referees the referees might be more favorable towards somebody who is red, wearing red. you can never know. So all these um, are quite complicated, and show that the 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 red color has an effect on our performance in all various ways.
0: Do you have any ideas on why, like from an evolutionary perspective, or I guess it's cultural?
1: It's both from evolutionary. We uh, we learned uh, to avoid red things because very often they were related to blood or to rotten things. So red, you know, signifies uh, something to be avo- to avoid, and also from the day we we are born, we learned that uh, if you if you look at the stop signs, and the danger times the, uh, signs, they are always in red, and the teacher, as I say, they mark uh, in red. So we continue learning that red has something to do with stop and with avoidance. Behavior and something wrong due to, and also with sexual attraction, I'll say in a minute, but I'm, I'm talking about the context of uh being avoiding and being danger science. So it's uh, both
0: that, I mean, that makes sense to me. I, I was thinking blood, that was the first thing that, that came to my mind, but I was curious what your
1: yeah, and and you know, the evolutionarily when you uh people's I mean, uh, people so blood uh they should avoid that. it's something that uh portrays a uh, danger or you know something you have to to run away from
0: or stop right if you're bleeding um you' need to stop it. How does red affect sexual attraction
1: well that's uh that's really interesting uh in one study, they showed men uh a uh, several again like I showed here, they took three groups of men and they did several studies in each study. They took three groups of men, showed them the same exact photo of a woman, black and white, uh, only the torso and uh, and, a torso and the head. And uh, the only difference between the groups was uh, the color of the background of the photo. One group of men saw the photo of a woman against a red background, and the other two saw it against a different color of a background, one against a green and one against uh, blue and another one one against uh, black or grey, all kind of colors, but always one group saw it against the red color. And then the men were asked uh, questions about that woman. They were asked whether she's attractive, to, to rate her attractive or not they were asked whether she was sexy. In some experiments they were asked whether they would like to have sex with her. In another, in some experiments they were asked whether they would like to date her, and in one experiment they were even asked how much money they would spend on her on a date. And what found out is that although all three groups saw always the same woman, those who saw the woman against a red background always perceived her as uh, more attractive, sexier, wanted to have sex with her more often. And wanted to date with her, uh, date her, and to spend more money on her than uh, those who saw exactly the same woman only against different uh, colors.
0: Why do you think that
1: is? So, this uh, can be also like it was before, both evolutionary and uh, social learning. First of all, as I said, evolutionary, many animals that are. uh, in the in in the animal world, that uh, a red is associated with the uh, sexual uh, behavior, and uh, when uh, animals are, want to mate, some some animals uh, show uh, red. Some of their parts become red, and the red uh, in red males, for example, also uh, the alpha male is often in the apes has some part like his butt or something uh, red. So red evolutionary is related to sexual attraction, but also, as I said, maybe it's because of that and maybe not. Uh, we always learn as little kids, and then on when we saw movies and in and, uh, and advertising, and that we uh, red is associated with um, with sexual attraction. As I said before, Eve's uh, apple was red. Uh, when uh, the street with all the sexual activity is called the red uh, window street, um, uh, women who are portrayed to be sexy are always, uh, most of, not always, but very often, uh, are wear something red in the movies, in the, in the advertisement. So we learned that red is associated with something uh, which is related to sexual attraction. Uh, I, I remember that we were talking, and I, I write this uh, in my book, that uh, me and my friend went uh, to a conference that we go each year uh, and we bought uh, a dress, we always go shopping uh, when we have time there and um, we both bought a very nice uh, red dress, we didn't mind to, to have the same dress because we we're very good friends and then we came to the hotel and we showed that dress to, uh, to another friend that she liked it very much so she went and it was on a special sale she went to the uh, store and after a while, she returned with this exactly same dress, but black. And she said, you know, I have many black dresses and actually I don't have red dresses, but it's too red. I, I, I don't think I can wear it to work or uh, and, and why is that? Because red was associated with, two, with physical attraction and she didn't want that. So that's actually it. And, and now this study proved actually that indeed, the women that were the same exact, I, I remind you, it's the same woman, and they did many experiments. In one experiment, they put one woman in another experiment. They put another woman, blonde, black uh, hair, uh, blonde hair, black hair uh, with different clothing. And it always came out the same, that those who were against the red background were perceived as sexier and more attractive.
0: I, I guess what I find so fascinating about this is that I would understand if a, if a woman was wearing a red dress, and especially... Um, because red, as a kind of a frequency to our eyes, tends to stand out. So I, I could understand how a woman who's walking through a room in a red dress or with red heels or red lipstick could draw attention, um, especially if everybody else is wearing uh, some of these colors that that don't pop as much. For example, black, which absorbs a lot more light. I guess what surprises me is that she doesn't have to be wearing.
1: That's the big one. Yeah. That's why they did the background to show that uh, it's, uh, they did some stuff with the red shirt, but most of the times we were do the red background to show that just the fact that you see ba- red related to that woman and, and and by the way, I forgot to say something very important when the men were asked what influenced you uh what influenced your judgment about this woman, and they were given several uh, options they never thought, they thought that the, the the red background was the least. Inf- had the least influence on them. They they didn't think it was that.
0: So what you're you're implying is not that if you put somebody in a red room that they're going to be more attractive, that if you someone looks at a bunch of pictures and one of the pictures has red in the background, the red in that picture will draw somebody in the same way that them wearing a red dress in a room would draw uh, attention to them. Is that, is that what you're implying or is there something I'm missing?
1: Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, you know. I don't. To be honest, I don't know if a, a red room will not uh, make the trick too. I, we have to check that. I don't want But it, I, I think actually, intuitively, that uh, uh, when one uh, um, wall is red or the furniture is red, it might have an effect when we sit there without being, a, again, without noticing it, without being aware that that's what influences us.
0: It's funny because in our classes, like when I'm coaching, I often talk about attraction as. Uh, a perception of value and and i have kind of an economics background to a certain extent so I'll, uh, sometimes i'll get in i try not to to get too technical but i'll get into things like kind of economic terms and say well if supply is the same so there's one person and demand increases two girls are pursuing the guy or two guys are pursuing a girl perceived value increases and that will increase attraction which will cause people to take bigger risks um but i, I could i could see like the exact same principle applying here and and when i say that Although they're, you're just looking at one photo, the fact that red will cause uh, take up kind of more of our attention. It takes up more attention. It would increase our perceived value. At least in my head, this is the way that I would ration, rationalize that.
1: Yeah, it is. But but also, I think um, not. It might also. your are absolutely right. Might attract more our attention, but sometimes. Uh, uh, the fact that you are uh, it may attract our attention, and that might be a bad thing. That because you can see the you know something that you don't want uh, people to see. But in this case, it definitely is associated with sexual attraction, and then you perceive that. I think what what's really amazing is that you perceive the same person as a more attractive, and it's the same exact photo, which shows that uh, how many other things influence the way we perceive other people.
0: You talk a lot about light. How does light, like colors? Light.
1: Of- I would say light together with brightness and white and black. I want to, to mix them all. Uh, and, no, and here it's less dramatic, I think, than uh, the red. But uh, in general, people associate uh, white clothes and white colors and bright colors uh, with uh, good things and black and dark things with bad things. If you think also about all these uh, devils and uh, and witches that are portrayed, always they're black. And when you want to show something somebody who is very pure, you you portray that person in white in bright colors, right? Uh, Like, you know, um, when you want to show show something who is very good, uh, very often in movies, they wear all white and all that. So um, I I show, uh, you know, kind of experiments, how people really perceive uh, bright and light, you know, when something is light and, and bright and, and white, I'm, I'm putting all this together because the results are similar, uh, I perceive it is more positive than when things are uh, portrayed in black. Uh, that's that's basically it.
0: Dating coach Chris Lone here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way, you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, And become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website, Craft charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs. Let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the craft charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. So, how, how does somebody gonna use this? Because I, I, mean, I agree with you. Like, I, I think of like in Western culture, like the white virgin dress, for example, like the association of purity. Um, how do we use this to increase our influence?
1: First of all, if, for example, if you're negotiating with somebody, uh, try that, uh, to do it not in, in, in quite in a room with a lot of light. Um, try not to sit in, you know, in a dark room. It's, it's, uh, by the way, uh, another thing that I will associate with light uh, also influences our mood. Uh, there are many studies that show that in countries uh, with, um, that there is not much light some of the year uh, and people leave the home uh, at dark when they go to work or to school and come back when it's still dark or already dark um, have a, a more depressive mood and those who um, you know go um, out you know when it's always light and, 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 and rather than dark so um, when 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 you want to interact with somebody or when your friends or your kids, sit a lot of time in a dark room, it's not good. It's not good because it affects your mood. So when you are in a bad mood, and sometimes you do have the inclination, you know, I'll close myself in the room, I'll turn off the light and I'll just sit there, you know, uh, and be depressed. Force yourself to go out uh, and be in a lighter atmosphere. That's from one point of view of of our mood. When you interact with somebody and you want to get the, the best results, Try to sit in a room which is uh, with a lot of light. Uh, don't not. Uh, the worst case is is when it's you know the the, the, the the there is not much light, only a small light, and you sit and uh, and then it's kind of a darker atmosphere because it's also associated not only with depression but with bad things uh, and people will trust you less and will be more depressed, which is not good for negotiation or with for any interaction, not only negotiation.
0: Going back to kind of etymology i mean the, the same kind of idea with words and origins like people will say things like that person had like a bright
1: personality
0: or they're glowing or
1: exactly all these metaphors that i did not repeat but they, you are absolutely right we say uh these metaphors that he's glowing is a is a bright future uh all we always associate the brightness uh i see the light at the end of the tunnel. All these uh, metaphors uh, show that light is associated with a good thing. And dark, I had dark days. Uh, this uh, he, he has a dark future, uh, dark past, whatever. So this is bad and not good.
0: Funny, this is kind of taking a step back, but as we were talking, I actually made some kind of connections to previous things that uh, we were talking about. We were talking about, for example, texture, and I was thinking about. There's a book by John Steinbeck um, called Of Mice and Men. And one of the characters, uh, he works on a farm and he puts his hand in a glove and Vaseline so that when he touches his wife, and I'm not advocating people do this. It's a fictional character. Uh, So when he touches his wife, his skin is soft. But it made me think about the idea of when you touch another human being and, for example, their skin is rough, oftentimes we'll associate them as being like kind of rough or rugged or a rough person.
1: You're absolutely right, and you know, these studies that I cited before show it uh, scientifically because because, before you might have guessed that, you know, when you touch somebody and the the skin is rough, you say it's less pleasant, that now after these studies we know that we really associate them with as a rough person, as a harder person, you know, not as a nice, it's not a question of nice, but you know, like less smooth. And uh, you can apply that uh, to, to the towels and to the sheets we, you use, that when you, you use uh, a softer towels, uh, uh, smooth sheets in bed, you perceive the other person uh, next to you maybe as a nicer person and the interaction is a nicer, and you don't realize it's also because you touch a smoother object, which is in this case, towel or, or, uh, or sheets.
0: One other connection, and we talked about warm people, but I hadn't really thought about kind of cold people and the association of cold and death. Like how did the conversation go? Well, it was kind of dead or cold or-
1: Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't go till dead, but uh, when you use cold person as uh, the the warm person and, and cold person is probably associated more with uh, when you, when our mothers or fathers used to hug us and you feel the warmth of the hug and it's a good thing. And and com- compared to somebody who is cold and doesn't touch you, etc. And then and then we associate that to uh, the more abstract uh, uh, thing of a cold person or a warm person. And when we touch something warm or cold, it brings it activates this association of uh, a warm personality and a cold personality.
0: Yeah, I guess I was thinking it goes back to the idea of of nature versus nurture, right? I was thinking about just. Experience in general, so I I would say the idea that you would touch like your your parents would hold you that that warm feeling people you are close to probably would have much more influence. But I also um, was thinking about, for example, touching my grandma after my grandma had passed away at the funeral, and that was a very as a child that was uh, an experience that shocked me because my entire life when I touched my grandma she would be warm, and for the first time I touched her she was cold, and so that experience uh, creates like a permanent association to a certain extent.
1: Yeah. So we do have also the the example that you bring, show that we each of us also have our uh, individual associations. Um, And then we have associations that most of us share. So in your case, this is a very strong association that you touch your grandma when she died.
0: You also talk about physical distance and how it relates to psychological distance. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, uh, there aren't many studies on that. Only a uh, few, but they show also that, like again, we use the physical distance to describe emotional distance, right? We say he's, uh, we became, we drifted apart. Uh, uh, we are not that close as before, etc. So we use actually the word physical distance, like close, the far. Uh, to To describe our emotional distance, so in one study uh, uh, people were uh, asked to um, to draw two points on on a paper and in, one, in one group was asked to draw two points were which were very close to each other physically close, and another group was asked to draw two points that were physically distant and then they were they heard a story. Which was quite embarrassing about a man who wrote uh, his sexual experiences with the with a woman after he uh he was not long, no longer her boyfriend and that was very embarrassing to hear and they, then they were asked uh about the story whether they, they liked it whether they would like to hear more about it uh it was found out that those who drew very close uh, dots just before they heard the story Thought the story was more embarrassing, and they didn't want to to hear more about it, than those who who, who drew a too distant thoughts. And the explanation is that they became more emotionally close or emotionally distant. When you're emotionally close, you don't want to hear embarrassing things because you're you have empathy, because you are emotionally close. When you're emotionally distant, you you care less whether it was embarrassing or not. And in another study they did something similar, but instead of uh, uh, listening to an embarrassing story, they they, they list, listened to a very frightening story about a car accident, really, really frightening. I don't even want to go into the details of that. And again, they were asked about the story. And again, the results were that those who were a, through two close dots uh, were more emotionally close and they were more horrid and, and frightened by the story. And then those who uh, draw two uh, decent dots. That's really amazing. And um, there were not many other studies that showed the same results. So uh, that's why I, I wouldn't elaborate on it more. I think uh, more studies are needed to to find out whether this is just a chance or it really happened. Unlike the, the studies that I described about the red or the, the, the temperature that many studies were done on different uh, subjects and in different universities, et cetera.
0: Yeah, I mean, even with the basis of the, just the basis of the question, physical distance as it relates to psychological distance, I'm not really sure about drawing dots or the connection there, but I think that um, absolutely people feel closer to somebody uh, psychologically or emotionally when they're physically closer to them.
1: Yeah, it's it's very difficult and they're, you know, I write in my book a lot about people um, a, a distant relationship, that people live in two different places and just talk like we are talking now uh, in Skype, even if we see each other face, which of course is better than it used to be, that you could talk only on the phone, now you can see faces, etc. It's still uh, not the same as touching that person, and which is related to, to what we, I talked before about texture, but it also relates to the, the, the physical distance. I can see that when I talk to my family, they live in America, in California, and they, I live in Israel most of the time, although I have just returned from California and I go there several times a year, so I divide my time. But when I'm in Israel and I talk to them uh, via Skype and I see their first, it's definitely not the same uh, as uh, being uh, next to them, you know, sitting next to them, even though I saw their expression and all that, which is better than talking on the phone.
0: I agree 100%, um, but I think there's an, another element to this. And that's that technology has hacked what would be normal behavior. And what I mean by that is usually if somebody was a foot from us, we would hear them better than if they were 10 feet or 50 feet or 100 feet or on the other side of the world where like we wouldn't be able to hear them. But technology has allowed people to be essentially anywhere on the planet almost and uh, be able to hear them as if they were three feet away. And so I think that that actually is probably an element here. That normally physical distance um, would relate to to psychological distance in the sense that there's multiple ways, including the example you used, but also the fact that normally if somebody was far away from us, we wouldn't be able to hear them. (laughs) Or we would hear them less, and that would take up kind of more – it would take more strain, more effort. We would absorb less of what they were attempting to communicate to us.
1: Sure, listen, if, if I uh, talk to you I don't know how many years ago uh, and say that I'm holding my computer and you can see my face, you wouldn't believe that and you know that it's a common thing now. So definitely it changed. The You know the, the, the book by uh, Friedman, the, the word is flat. It is flat the word and, and it's much easier now to communicate from one side of the world to the other and do business and negotiations. Uh, it's definitely easier still I believe uh, the fact that you're sitting with the same person in the same room uh, influences the the way you negotiate.
0: I mean, it makes sense, although there isn't, as you say, a lot of uh, research on the subject. I think it probably passes the common sense test. Thelma, um, you also talk about vertical position and how that and size relate to power.
1: Yeah, definitely. As you know, again, in metaphors, since we are showing each one metaphors, which is very important, because uh, it really, I think, is part of the explanation, is that we say, uh, I work under him, uh, uh, he climbed the ladder at work, uh, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we use vertical position to uh, imply power. Yeah, he's above me, uh, et cetera. So uh, it, it has been shown in many studies that a taller people are perceived as more powerful. And moreover, when we feel powerful, uh, we perceive ourselves as taller. Uh, for example, when people were asked to uh, think of an experience that where they were powerful in the past, and then they were asked to uh, estimate their height, not with, they know each one, each person knows how, how, how he or she is, but they were given a stick and they were asked uh, where, where do, do they think uh, they come to. People perceive themselves as taller when they thought about something which was powerful. So definitely people are associating size and vertical position uh, to power. And um, there are many, many studies that show that in all kinds of uh, variations. And so in, for example, in negotiations, it is definitely not good that you will sit on a a lower chair than the other person. Because you will be perceived, even if that person will not uh, know uh, that it's because of the chair, you will be perceived as less powerful if you sit on a lower chair. I know about all kinds of stories and anecdotes that those who were negotiating, and they definitely didn't read these studies, but they just understood it. Always uh, when they invited to their office, uh, set on a taller chair uh, to to not to feel powerful and to be perceived as more powerful. There are studies that show, for example, that people who took a large cup of coffee were perceived as more powerful than those who took a small cup of coffee. And also other studies that show that when people felt less secure, they chose a, a larger cup of coffee. Uh, like this gives them some power so all these uh, things are associated there is one very interesting study that shows that when you uh, uh put yourself in several positions that are more powerful not only you are perceived as more powerful but you perceive yourself as more powerful which is interesting for example if you stand you know very tall, kind of stretch yourself and stretch your arms and legs rather than sitting you know with taking as less space as possible with your hands around your body and a little bit bent, you not only you are perceived as more powerful, which is very it makes sense, but it showed that people who do that perceive themselves is more powerful and then they behave accordingly for example if you come to an interaction any interaction whether it's a negotiation or you come to a room or to a party and you don't know anybody and you feel a little bit anxious if you stand behind the door before you enter and you stretch your limbs and you you stand very tall and stretch your limbs uh your hands and your your legs uh kind of you know in a powerful position Uh, You will feel more assured of yourself, more powerful, more confident when you enter that room for a job interview, for a date or for uh, just coming to a party uh, that you don't know anybody or for any negotiation. So really the postures uh, influence the way we are perceived and the way we perceive ourselves, which eventually influence our behavior.
0: It's funny because I've seen – there's kind of a TED Talk on this and I was telling somebody had brought it to my attention and I'm, I'm like, we've been teaching that since I started coaching. And the, under the context that uh, we'll do an exercise and we'll tell people, imagine you're the least confident person in the room. Is your head down or up? Are you smiling yes or no? Are you louder or quiet? Are your shoulders relaxed or tense? And we go through this kind of sequence where we have them get into an anxious physical state, anxious physiology And then we have them introduce themselves to other people and then reflect both on how um, they felt about people who approached them like that and how they felt about themselves. And then we'll do uh, the opposite. We'll ask them to imagine the most confident person. How do they stand? How do they walk? How do they move? How do they take up space? And how does it affect the way they feel and the way that they feel about other people?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's very, very important tip and very easy to do.
0: There was all kinds of connections that I made as you were talking. Um, like I was thinking about not only um, the association between height and power, meaning whether it's somebody is taller or it's the judge sitting above a room or it's the person, the boss who has an office on the top floor. Yeah, all those connections. But I also thought about the idea of making uh, creating comfort in the sense that, for example, if we have a guy approach uh, a girl, for example, and he is his eyes are above her we usually tell him to bend down so that his eyes are below her eyes so that she'll relax because when somebody has their eyes above somebody else, um, it creates, for a variety of reasons, I know this from kind of experience by re- observing someone's reaction. Um, I have some theories on why I think that that this is. Um, but I noticed that when you drop your eye contact to their level or below, um, they'll relax. The other, only other alternative is to take a step back so that they have more space. Um, so you either have to create more space for them or uh, drop your eye contact so you have come off as less of a physical threat. But like all these connections, in addition to, I remember one time I was, was walking through New York City, and I was uh, walking by the Apple store in Manhattan, and Usher was about to do a show. He's like a, a singer. He was about to do a show for one of the morning shows. Um, and I, he walked in the room, Uh, I remember these women are standing next to me and one of the girls goes, I always thought he was taller. And then the girl next to him said, but I still think he's sexy. (laughs) But it's, it was interesting because you were talking about this, how people perceive their own height, but uh, oftentimes when people are in a position of power,
1: they are perceived taller. Yeah. I, I, I give an example in my book, sensation. I give a, a, a very good example, I think that my grandfather was a very powerful person. He was uh, very dominant in the family, like a patriotic family, very intelligent and very well known also. And uh, everybody was uh, admiring him and was a little bit afraid of him. And as as a child, I always thought that my grandfather was tall. And then when I saw pictures uh, later on when he died and I looked at pictures later on, I saw that he was uh, rather short, you know, and, and all his sons were... Uh, taller than him and I d- couldn't believe it because in my mind he was a tall person because he was a dominant person although of course I saw when he was alive that he was shorter so we really perceive uh, uh, people who are dominant and strong as taller than they are.
0: Wh- why do you think that is?
1: Because uh, you know evolutionary what is uh, bigger is is usually stronger in, 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 in the animal world and, and in evolution uh, you know, the, the more bigger you are, the more taller you are, the stronger you are. Then later on, uh, when we talk about powerful uh, in in the office, although, of course, it doesn't matter, but evolutionary, it, it, it is related to, to that. Power and vertical position are related.
0: I also started thinking about upbringing, right? So just like as we grow up, the people who are taller than us um, when we're kids always have more power, like our parents. Um, and, and after... 15 or 20 years of conditioning like that, it affects us. At least that would be my assumption.
1: Sure, no, no, that's, that's exactly the, the reason I gave in my book. I didn't realize you, you meant that. Of course, uh, when you're a small child, everybody who tells you what to do is taller than you. Everybody, you're, not only your parents and your teachers, but also your siblings. Your everybody who is bigger than you is taller than you. So you learn, and we all learn, that those who are taller than us, bigger than us, are more powerful.
0: There was actually along this kind of same example, one that that kind of shocked me was I was recently I was doing I had interviewed somebody who for this podcast who had done a lot of work with Putin uh, when he was like a minor political official in Moscow, like way before he was president and uh, had worked with him on his body language. And while I was doing kind of research afterwards, I was kind of shocked to find that Putin's only 5'7".
1: Yeah, because he's so powerful. Yeah, so you you perceive him as a tall person, right? Yeah,
0: it is fascinating. You you also talk about kind of taste and smell. How does taste and smell affect us?
1: Uh, well, uh, first of all, we use the the words the metaphors. He's a sweet person, right? So studies were done to show that uh, those who like sweet things are perceived uh, as a as as a sweeter persons. And when you eat something sweet, there is a better chance that you will volunteer more to, to all kind of actions, which is quite nice, which means that once you eat uh, sweeter things, there is a better chance that you will be indeed a sweeter person. So when, uh, if it comes to negotiations and to interactions, give uh, uh, a, a warm cup of coffee and a piece of chocolate or cake, that they uh, will uh, have a better chance to pers to uh, to influence that person to be a sweeter and nicer person. So and about smell, uh, there are all kinds of smells that influence both our cognitive performance. for example, uh, peppermint uh, smell was shown to influence both our physical and our cognitive performance to to increase it, to make it better. And also, I will tell you something which uh, I think people find more uh, interesting maybe, uh, that there was one study that, uh, you know, people like very much uh, the smell of uh, fresh baked cookies and uh, fresh ground coffee. People like that smell. So uh, they asked the young men to go to a mall and approach women and ask for their telephone number. Uh, And they were asked to approach these women in two locations. Either near clothing stores or near fresh uh, bakeries where you f- you smell the 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 fresh baked uh, cookies. So either in locations of clothing stores or, or or other stores that have no smell, or near these bakeries, and they found that women were more willing to give their telephone number and to answer when they were approached near the bakeries. So here is a tip for the day. <laughs> Uh, when you want to approach somebody and uh, 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 hope she or he will answer you and be more positive try to do it near a nice smell like fresh baked cookies Also if you go to uh to uh, a restaurant for example for a first date and they, and then even though the restaurant has desserts, maybe suggest to go for the dessert to a bakery when you really smell these uh, baked, fresh baked cookies, it might uh, definitely influence the interaction.
0: Well, it made me, as you were talking Thoma, it made me think about kind of female and male scents. Like women will often wear lots of floral scents and in the same way that they'll often wear, or I guess it's a different way, but there's kind of a connection there, at least from my perspective, there wear lots of floral patterns, especially kind of like springtime, and we'll tease, I'll tease the guys. I'm like, look, they smell and look like flowers because they want you to pollinate them. It, like, kind of joking around. But as I was uh, thinking about that, men usually don't, the scents that the scent industry has used for men tend to be kind of more like woodsy. D- they're different types of scents than they choose for women. But I was thinking maybe they should choose cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is funny. I, and, and it does make sense what you're saying about kind of going to a bakery or even. Like if somebody comes over and you're going to watch a movie, um, the smell of baked goods. I, and I think about myself. Like if I'm over at a girl's house and her house smells like cookies, that does have an effect on the way I behave. Actually, now that I think about it, a dramatic effect on the way I behave. There's so many things that you're, you're talking about here um, that I feel like in certain ways they should be common sense because they're so embedded in our language and choices and behavior and culture, um, but I think people are just not aware of them.
1: Exactly. Some, you know, it's very interesting, all these studies, it's exactly like you said, on the one hand, it makes sense once you you tell these person, say, yeah, it makes sense. On the other hand, many people say, wow, it can't be just because somebody held a warm cup of coffee, he or she behaves differently or perceive me as different person. So it's both ways, It's it's kind of a little bit, too good, it's, it can't be that just because of that. But people don't realize that there are many factors that influence our life. And as I said, these factors may tip the scale. And once you know their influence, you know how uh, the temperature of the things, the texture of the things, the colors influence you, you are less manipulated by them. And you can use them also for your benefit when you interact in all kinds of interactions, whether it's a business negotiation whether it's a negotiation with a friend, uh, whether it's a first date, whether it's a job interview, whether you talk with your children or with your parents and you want to tell them something that you're afraid to tell them because they might not like. Why do you go to this uh, university, not that, or why do you go dating this girl, etc. cetera. Uh, you think about the distance, you think about the, the beverage that you will use, the, the chairs, whether are soft or hard, all these influence uh, or uh, interactions without being aware
0: As you're going through this list, one of the most obvious kind of applications um, from my perspective is is somebody's apartment if they're dating right or their house. If somebody comes over understanding these different things, the texture, the temperature, the color of the environment is going to have an effect on the way somebody feels around you and feels in the space. And that's going to affect their behavior. So I can see, absolutely see how, although one of these things might make only a small difference, as you put them together, they can have a massive influence on someone's behavior.
1: And also, it's not only the apartment. Also, if you choose, for example, for a first day or, or not necessarily a first date, any date, uh, the, the environment which might be not only the apartment, but also, for example, the restaurant or the coffee shop or you can if you think about it in advance you can choose the 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 way you see it whether you're confront, uh, facing each other whether you're close or distant uh, that, that you can lose if you could choose uh, a place which is lighted or not lighted dark or or not like a lot of things that uh, different places have different uh, features
0: that was, this has been absolutely awesome I'm about over time so I gotta wrap this up this has been a complete pleasure and if you're listening you want to learn more about Dr. LaBelle, her book, Sensation, the New Science of Physical Intelligence. I highly recommend it. Uh, you can get the edge when you're on your date or on a you have a work meeting, you're trying to persuade somebody because as we talked about this stuff, together does make a big difference. I'm going to post some links on the Craft Chisma website and within the description of this podcast so you can learn about her book and the things she does more easily. Uh, thank you, Dr. LaBelle, for taking the time to speak to me.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.
0: It's dating coach Chris Lone here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I gotta do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter. Share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.